Welcome to Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 69 of The Christian's Daily Walk by Henry Scudder. Second, proofs of the divinity of the scriptures. Number one, that you may assure yourselves that the scriptures are the word of God. Consider first how infallibly true they relate things past, according as they were many hundred years before, also in foretelling things to come many hundred of years after, which you may see to have come to pass and daily do come to pass accordingly, which they would not do if they were not God's word. Number two, they lay open the particular and most secret thoughts and affections of man's heart, which they could not do if they were not the word of him that knows all things, in whose sight all things are naked and open. Hebrews 4, 12, 13. Number three, they command all duties of piety, sobriety, and equity, and do prohibit all vice in such a manner as all the writings and laws of all men laid together neither do nor can do. Psalm 19.7 Number four, as the scriptures discover a state of eternal damnation unto man, and condemn him to it for sin, Galatians 3.22. So they reveal a sure way of salvation, Romans 1.17, which is such a way as could never enter into the imagination and heart of any man or of all men together without the word and revelation of the Spirit of God, who in his wisdom found out and ordained this way. 1 Corinthians 2.9 Number 5. The scriptures are a word of power, almighty, beyond the power of any creature, pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and brings into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10 4 through 6. 6. Lastly, the scriptures have an universal consent with themselves, though penned by diverse men, which proves that they are not of any private interpretation, but that these holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. 2 Peter 1 20 and 21. Much more might be said to this point. But this may suffice. Helps against unnatural and violent suggestions. Against temptations to lay violent hands upon yourself and others. You must have these or the like scriptures in readiness. Thou shalt not kill, Exodus twenty thirteen, and see thou do thyself no harm, Acts sixteen twenty eight and such like, and that you may be prepared against all other vile temptations. Possess your heart beforehand with this, 
that these are great wickednesses against God, against your God. When Joseph could say, shall I commit this great wickedness and sin against God? No temptation could prevail against him. Genesis 39, 9. Thus much for for arming yourselves against blasphemous and vile thoughts and temptations. In the second place, when you are thus armed, whensoever these blasphemous and fearful thoughts rise in you or are forced upon you, take heed of two extremes. First, do not contemn them so as to set light by them, for this gives strength to sin and advantage to Satan. Secondly, be not discouraged, nor yet faint through despair of being free from them in due time, or of withstanding them in the meantime, for then Satan has his end and his will of you. But carry yourself in a middle course, pour not too much on them, dispute not too much with them, presume not of your own strength, but by lifting up of your hearts in prayer, call in God's aid to resist and withstand them. Present some suitable scripture to your mind, such as is directed against them, whereby you may with a holy detestation resist them, according to Christ's example, with it is written, Matthew 4, 6 and 7. Now when you have done this, then, if it be possible, think on them no more. Thirdly, endeavor at all times to make conscience in the whole course of your life, of your thoughts, even of the least thoughts of evil, yea, of all thoughts, and this will be a good means to keep out all evil thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10.5 If it cannot prevail thus far, yet you shall have this benefit by it. When your heart can testify for you that you would in everything please God and that you make conscience of less sinful thoughts than those vile ones with which you are troubled then you may be sure that you may be and are God's children and are sanctified, notwithstanding those blasphemous thoughts and devilish temptations. 3. Doubts of sanctification from the prevalence of some gross sin. Again, some doubt they are not sanctified because they have fallen into some gross sin, it may be into worse than those which they committed in their state of unregeneracy. I answer you, you are in a very ill case if you do not belie yourselves, and if so, you are in an ill case because you do belie yourselves. I advise you that have thus sinned in either to repent speedily and to ask forgiveness. God, by his Spirit, does as well call you to it as he did to Israel, saying, 
Return to the Lord. Thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Take with you words and turn unto the Lord and say unto him, Take away all our iniquity and receive us graciously. Then will God answer, I will heal your backsliding. I will love you freely. Hosea 14, 1 through 4. You say that you are backslidden. Suppose it were so, he saith, I will heal your backslidings, etc. Jeremiah 3, 12, 13. Micah 7, 18, 19. You must not doubt, but that gross sins committed after a man is effectually called are pardonable. It is the devil's policy to cast these doubts into your heads, so holy to drive you to despair by shutting out all hope of grace and mercy that you might have no thought of returning and seeking unto God again, but believe him not. He is a liar. John eight forty four. For it may befall one that is in a state of grace to commit the same gross sins after conversion, which he did before, if not greater than the same, did not David, by his adultery and murder, exceed all the sins that ever he committed before his conversion? Second Samuel 11, 1 Kings 15, 5. Did not Solomon worse in his old age than ever in his younger days? 1 Kings 11, 4 and 5. Did Peter commit any sin like that of denying and forswearing his master before his conversion? Matthew twenty six seventy four. Why were the falls of these worthies written but for examples to us on whom the ends of the earth are come? 1 Corinthians 10, 11 and 12. First, that every one who stands should take heed, lest he fall. Secondly, that if any are fallen into any sin by any occasion, he might rise again as they did, and not despair of mercy. No man, though converted, has any assurance except he is specially watchful and except he have special assistance of God's grace to be preserved from any sin except that against the Holy Ghost. But if he be watchful over his ways and do improve the grace of God in him after conversion, seeking unto God for increase of grace, then he, as well as the Apostle Paul, may be kept from such gross sins as are of the foulest nature, otherwise not. 1 Corinthians 4, 4. Indeed, they that are born of God have received the sanctifying influences of God's Spirit, that seed of grace which ever remains in them. Whence it is that they sin otherwise in a state of regeneracy than they did before? 
insomuch that the scripture of truth, notwithstanding the after sin, saith that whosoever is born of God sins not. 1 John 3, 9. Not that they are free from the act and guilt of sin, for in many things we sin all, saith James, James 3, 2. But because they sin not with full consent, Romans 7, 15, etc., they are not servants to sin. They do not make a trade of sin as they did in their unregeneracy. John 8, 34, Romans 6, 16, 18, 19, 20, 22. Neither do they sin the sin unto death, 1 John 5, 17, which all unregenerate men may and some do. Yet for all this it may and often does come to pass that partly from Satan's malice and power, partly from the remains of corrupt nature, and partly from God's just judgments on many because of their negligence and presumption, their conceit of their own strength, or their censoriousness and unmercifulness to them that had fallen, that true Christians may fall into some particular gross sin or sins or matter greater than ever before conversion. This concludes episode 69 of Henry Scudder's The Christian's Daily Walk.